Hello there, and welcome to an Argus Freight podcast, where we will be discussing developments in the commodity markets and their relationships with the shipping sector. My name is Andrew Call. I'm the Asia-Pacific Freight Editor for Argus, and joining me is Paul Jacinto, the freight reporter who covers the east of Suez DPP tanker market. Hey, Paul, how's it going? All good here. Hope you're good as well. Yep, all good. Thanks. Thanks very much. Um, So now to provide some context for our discussion, we are going to be looking at the recent developments in Australia's refining sector and what the potential near-term effects and implications to Asia-Pacific tanker markets could be. Australia's refineries have been facing a challenging period brought about by subdued demand, declining refining margins, and increased competitions from larger scale refineries in the region. But before we touch on the current situation, Paul, um, could you give us a rundown of Australia's downstream sector so we can have a better understanding of how we got here? Sure thing, Andrew. So Australia's downstream sector was built mainly during the 1950s and 1960s to service the domestic market. Um, The sector was developed largely by state funding and was protected through tariffs. And this was all taking place during a period of limited competition from the region and relative price and demand stability. For the past 30 years, the general trend for the industry was to move away from manufacturing as it unwound tariffs. Australia has already shut more than half of its refining capacity over the last three and a half decades. Most of these closures actually occurred over a three-year period from 2012 to 2015. Uh, During this period, there was Shell's 79,000 barrels per day Clyde refinery back in 2012. Then you had Caltex's 135,000 barrels per day Kernel refinery in 2014. And then BP's 102,000 barrels per day Bulwer Island refinery in 2015. That's a total of 316,000 barrels per day of capacity taken offline during this three-year period. Now, to put this into context, Australia consumes on average roughly around 1 million barrels per day of oil products. Post-2015, the combined capacity of its remaining operating refineries was 473,000 barrels per day. That's less than half of Australia's consumption. Um, But the Australian government didn't see it. The refinery closures as a concern to its fuel supply security. Well, at least not back then. Um, Their logic was... And this is according to a 2017 publication by the Australian Institute of Petroleum. Since Australia's domestic crude and condensate production has been in decline and was insufficient anyway to run its existing refineries, that the loss in refining capacity would just translate to crude oil imports being substituted with imports of refined oil, oil products, which was already in excess back then in Asia. And hence... The closures actually proved no considerable risk to their fuel security. They also recognized that the remaining Australian refineries were at a disadvantage compared to the newer, larger Asian refineries in terms of uh, cost, scale, and technology, uh, which was recently acknowledged again by Ampol's MD and CEO Matt Halliday during Ampol's Investor Day presentation uh, in late November 2020. Right. Um, thanks very much for that overview, Paul. But um, doesn't that mean that Australia has always been on track towards increasing refined oil products imports rather than uh, domestic production? 
following the trend over the past three and a half decades, and particularly with the recent period of refinery closures between 2012 to 2015, I would say yes. Um, I wouldn't say the closures that took place during that period had any significant impact in the remaining refineries. But of course, that meant that the refining domestic refineries market share would fall relative to total product supplies. As outlined earlier, this was a trend that was already happening to Australia's downstream sector, not just recently, but for decades. Uh, the closures, however, has changed the structure of Australia's crude and product import volumes. If we compare average import volumes for uh, the year 2019 to 2020 with that of 2011 to 2012, uh, that was before the period of the recent refinery closures, based on Australia's official data, crude imports fell to an average of 308,000 barrels per day in 2019 to 2020 um, from 508,000 barrels per day in 2011 to 2012, while product imports increased to 620,000 barrels per day uh, in 2019 to 2020. That was from 369,000 barrels per day back in 2011-2012. But the key point here, Andrew, is that the pace of this shift is happening too soon, and the current refining and geopolitical landscape in the region has put considerable pressure on Australia's downstream sector, and inevitably it, inevitably it changed the flows of crude and refined oil products, and in effect, the tanker market dynamics in the region. Thanks, Paul. So um, what might that mean? Do you think we may be entering another period of refinery closures like that of 2012 to 2015? From what we've seen so far, the signs are pointing towards it. The immediate problem faced by Australia's refining, uh, existing refineries now is that the business model that the downstream sector was built on made them vulnerable in today's era of lower margins. Uh, the margins were already being pressured even before the demand destruction by COVID-19 last year and more of impacted by the oversupply of crude by OPEC producers and Russia and the very rapid increase in regional overcapacity. In August of last year, uh, Viva Energy, one of the remaining refiners, put the operations of its 128,000 barrels per day G-Long refinery under consideration, citing weakened margins hit by a combination of softening demand and continually increasing regional overcapacity. Then in the same month, Ample followed suit and also put its 109,000 barrels per day Litton refinery in Brisbane under review, citing highly uncertain market conditions for refining in the region. Just combined, these two plants already account for half of the remaining domestic capacity in Australia. The decline in refining margins have really hit the remaining refineries from 2015, following the period of refinery closures, the dollar per barrel refining margin for Ample's Brisbane refinery was at $16.3 per barrel, while Viva Energy's Geelong refinery was at 11.8. The margins have steadily been declining since, except uh, in 2017, uh, when refining margins were lifted by low crude prices at the beginning of that year and robust oil product demand from Asia. So as of 2019, the margins have dropped to $8.1 per barrel from $16.3 per barrel in 2015 for Ample's Brisbane refinery. 
and uh, Geelong's refining margin was at $6.6 per barrel from $11.8 barrel, uh, per barrel in 2015. So these are actually pre-pandemic levels, you know, just clarifying that. And before the demand destruction of COVID-19 lockdowns and air travel restrictions. So in the third quarter of 2020, the margins have actually dropped further uh, to $4 per barrel for Ample's Brisbane refinery and $2.3 per barrel for Viva's Geelong refinery. So that's a tad under a quarter for the Brisbane refinery and just a fifth for the Geelong refinery from 2015 margins. Lastly, there's also uh, the area of the aspect of fuel quality. Australia has one of the poorest specs for road-based fuels in the developed world, particularly for sulfur limits, as the refining sector has not invested much in this area for years. So if the refineries were to replace the current upper sulfur limits of 150 ppm to meet the lower sulfur limits of 10 ppm by 2027 and make themselves in line with European, US, and Chinese standards, these upgrades would be expected to cost around 1 billion Australian dollars, uh, further adding in or weighing into their decision to either continue their refining operations domestically or just convert them to import terminals. Gotcha. Thanks. Thanks for that, Paul. Um, but what about the Australian federal government? Didn't they put together a financial assistance plan back in September? Yes, yes, they did. But remember, the refineries actually have been under pressure much earlier than that. The pandemic only magnified these challenges. Meanwhile, the deal that the federal government put together initially was set to be finalized within a six-month period and had a target date of 1st July 2021 when the refiners would start receiving any subsidies for domestically refined product. So. Uh, in end November last year, uh, a month after the subsidy plan was put together, BP actually announced that its 146,000 barrels per day Quinana refinery in Western Australia, that's the largest of the four remaining refineries in operation, will cease all refining activity over a six-month time frame and eventually convert into an import terminal. That's a tad under 31% of Australia's total domestic refining capacity. Following that, in early November, ExxonMobil actually released a statement that its Altona refinery was operating at a loss due to the pandemic's impact on fuel demand, uh, particularly in its home state of Melbourne, which at the time uh, was just emerging from a lengthy 112-day lockdown. So following these, the federal government then met with the remaining refineries in December and fast-tracked its financial support plan via a interim refinery production payment plan, which kicks off on January 1st, 2021. While the original plan is being ironed out prior to its target start date of July, 20, uh, July 1st, the interim plan would provide an immediate lifeline with a minimal subsidy for every liter of gas, diesel, and jet fuel refined domestically, provided that the participating refiner would continue to operate for the duration of the program. Okay, and um, how's the uptake been from uh, the refiners then? Well, only Viva Energy has committed to the interim package. Um, ExxonMobil said that it was evaluating the package back in December, 
but it's Altona Refinery is actually the oldest and smallest of the refineries, and some actually consider it to be uh, the most vulnerable of the three. Meanwhile, Ampol has deferred participating in their interim plan and has made it clear that it intends to complete the review of its Brisbane refinery. Uh, the review uh, is actually due by 30th June this year, a day before the intended start date of the original financial assistance plan. Great. Thanks for that, Paul. Uh, thanks for that overview. Now, um, just as a recap, out of the four remaining refineries, BP, the largest of the lot, is currently winding down operations until around April or May this year, while the fate of the two remaining three refineries is still hanging in the balance. Um, Paul, could you give us an idea of how this would impact DPP flows from Asia-Pacific exporters into Australia should these refineries eventually cease operations? Sure, Andrew. Um, for this, I'll reference data from oil analytics firm for Texa for DPP flows into Australia by volume and cargo count. And uh, we'll be looking at the time, fr uh, time frame of 2017, which is the earliest available data from for Texa to 2020. I'll also be narrowing it down to exports from Southeast Asia, which accounts for 97% of Asia-Pacific DPP import volumes into Australia during the set period, and also for shipments loaded into Aframaxis, which accounts for close to 87% of total import volumes as well, to have a more focused and uniform analysis. So let's start with the inevitable closure of BP's 146,000 barrels per day Kunana refinery. As mentioned earlier, the refinery accounts for about 31% of the current refining capacity in Australia. So averaged from 2017 to 2020, the BP refinery accounts for 16.32 million barrels of DPP imports on an average of 43 Aframax shipments annually. Then there's Ampol's Lytton Brisbane refinery at 109,000 barrels per day, or 23% of current domestic capacity. And that accounts for an average of 15.28 million barrels of DPP imports on 45 Aframax shipments annually over the same period. Lastly, there's ExxonMobil's Altona Melbourne refinery at 90,000 barrels per day, or 19% of the current domestic capacity. Averaged over the same period, the Melbourne refinery accounts for just 1.51 million barrels of DPP imports and uh, seven Aframax shipments annually. So if you look combined, uh, at these combined, these three refineries account for 345,000 barrels per day, or 73% of the remaining domestic refining capacity in Australia. They also account for 33.11 million barrels of crude on 95 Aframax shipments from Southeast Asian producers to Australia's refineries per year, averaged over four years from 2017. Um, in addition to the above Australian refineries, we can also consider uh, New Zealand's sole refinery, the 135,000 barrels per day Marston Point refinery operated by Refining NZ, which is also considering a long-term transition into an import terminal and currently is running on a reduced run rate for 2021. Averaged over the same period, the Marsden Point refinery actually accounts for 5.1 million barrels of crude 
on 16 Aframax shipments in a year from Southeast Asia to Australia's East Coast region. Right. Thanks. Thanks for that, Paul. Um, Considering what you've said, and hypothetically, if these refinery closures push through, where would these displaced crude shipments into Australia potentially be diverted to then? There's no doubt crude flows would eventually shift as Australian demand evaporates. But predicting where Southeast Asian crude, which previously went to Australia, would be diverted um, is uh, a bit difficult to predict at this point. Uh, you have uh, several factors playing into that. Uh, one would be the price, uh, the prices of crude. But Australian refineries mainly take light crudes. For instance, BP's Quinana plant takes large amounts of light sweet crude from Malaysia. And Ampol's Brisbane refinery mainly runs light sweet crude from Malaysia, in addition to Brunei cereal light. Um, and you have domestic crude and condensate. Uh, thrown into the mix. But Southeast Asian light sweet crude producers, particularly for about 100,000 barrels per day of Malaysian crudes and uh, 50,000 barrels per day combined of Brunei and Australian cargoes, may struggle to find alternative buyers given that majority of new refining capacity in Asia Pacific is geared to running medium and heavy SAR crude aside from competing with exports of US WTI, uh, Abu Dhabi Light SAR Merban, which is a favorite among Indian and North Asian uh, major refiners. And you also have Nigerian Light Sweet Crude, among others. So some of these displaced crude may find their way to domestic refineries, such as the 300,000 barrels per day uh, Pengarang refinery by Malaysian state-owned Petronas which is planned to restart within the first quarter of 2021 after being hit by a fire and explosion uh, in mid-March last year, uh, leading to it shutting shutting down. Um, There's also the planned expansion of the 175,000 barrels per day Muara Brunei refinery, uh, majority owned by Chinese private sector refiner Hengyi, which would add another 280,000 barrels per day of capacity in the region. But that additional capacity would not come online till at least, at least three years down the line. So these crude producers could potentially find customers in Indonesian and Thai refineries, which import mainly light, sweet West African crudes, if they were priced competitively. Of course. Um, thanks. Thanks for that. Uh, so how would these... Uh, points then play into freight flows and rates for Australian DPP imports and exports? Australian DPP imports from the region are mainly from Southeast Asian producers and uh, mainly comprised of 80,000 ton shipments. As such, the Southeast Asia to East Coast Australia is actually one of the main index routes for freight rates in the region along with the Indonesia to Japan routes for North Asia-bound shipments from the same producers. Now, majority of these shipments draw from the same pool of Aframax vessels, which ballast from the area surrounding Singapore and Indonesia. So a drastic drop in crude shipments from Southeast Asia to Australia would lead to a glut of Aframaxes in the Singapore-Indonesia region, which uh, may likely pressure freight rates in the near term as refineries do close, owing to supply and demand dynamics. But as mentioned earlier, 
the displaced crude supply could find homes within the Southeast Asian region, which would result in an increase in short-haul interregional runs. However, this would still net an increase in supply as shorter voyages would considerably erode ton-mile demand for Afromaxis. For example, a Seria Brunei to Dongkwat Vietnam trip would take about two and a half days to complete while keeping the ship within the region. Meanwhile, a Seria to Brisbane Australia trip would take about 11 days to complete one way and with lesser prospect of a backhaul cargo given the limited DPP cargoes originating from Australia. There's also the impact on freight rates for crude shipments originating from Australia's producing Northwest region which would likely rise as a result of a decrease in naturally positioned ships for coming off deliveries to the continent. The decrease in domestic uptake of Australian crude would, in effect, increase exports, but the weight of freight for these shipments would increase as well due to the reasons mentioned. Um, Not to mention having to compete for customers along with the displaced crude from Asian, uh, Southeast Asian producers. Um, Australian Oil output has actually declined from its peak back in the early uh, early 2000. Although in recent years, upstream output has been boosted by condensate production due to recent LNG projects in Western Australia, where condensate is uh, produced as a byproduct. And not much of these condensates are actually taken in domestically as the local refineries aren't configured to take them. But these condensate cargoes can be loaded to either Aframaxis or LR2s. And if you consider that Australia seems poised to increase oil product imports, that would mean clean LR2 ships would be more likely to be available and naturally positioned in Australia after opening up from deliveries compared to uh, DPP Aframax tankers. Hang on, but um, what about crude runs to North Asian refiners, particularly Chinese refiners. Um, China has close to 1 million barrels per day of capacity expected to come online this year, with 400,000 barrels per day expansion of private sector refiners, ZPC Zoshan site, um, state-controlled Sinopec's new 200,000 barrels per day Zhangjiang plant, and Shenghong's 320,000 barrel per day Lianyungang refinery. Um, what, what do you think about those? Well, there might be potential there, uh, depending on the competitiveness of the displaced light crude grades to these refineries. But out of the three, only Zhushan has Southeast Asian crudes comprising the majority of crude imports based on Vertexa data. So it remains to be seen whether the new Chinese refining capacity would be importing their crude from regional producers or from their current exporters. Brilliant. Thanks. Thanks very much for that, Paul. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening to our podcast today. Um, hope it was enlightening. Um, details on Argus Freight Services can be found on the Argus Media website. Our daily assessments and market comments can be found on the Argus Freight Report. And additional content on freight can be found on the Argus Way of Freight website. Um, thank you all once again. Take care and stay safe.